but I have to say that exchange-traded funds, no one in the beginning could have ever predicted the enormous success that exchange-traded funds have had to date. Uh, used by individuals, institutions, money managers like ourselves. So the versatility of this product is basically proven itself over and over again. The following presentation by New Square Capital LLC is intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation serves as the receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from New Square or any other investment professional of your choosing. Please see additional important disclosure at the end of this presentation. A copy of New Square's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory fees and services is available upon request at newsquarecapital.com. Since our beginning more than a decade ago, New Square Capital has based its investment approach on what has been proven to work combined with discipline and execution. We rely on facts, not hunches or impulses, and we know that wealth is built over the long term. Our goal with this podcast is to share what we've learned and provide insights that can be implemented with an intentional process and consistency over time. Although investing should be simple, it isn't always easy. That's where discipline comes in, something we like to think is a hallmark of our firm. A good investor is an informed investor, which is why we are excited to share our insights with you. Let's go now to the Wall Street Less Traveled podcast. Hello, listeners. This is MJ Durkin, the host of the Wall Street Less Traveled podcast brought to you by New Square Capital. Uh, We are very excited to uh, have um, some great commentators on the podcast today. Uh, Joseph Brazello, you know him. He is the chairman and CEO of New Square Capital. And Ryan Kirk, he is the president and he is the head of portfolio management at New Square Capital. Uh, Gentlemen, how are you today? It's great to be here again. We are excited to uh, be able to um, to ask you questions and uh, and talk about um, all things related to uh, let's call it uh, uh, acquiring, maintaining, holding on to wealth. So we're excited to talk with you today about the differences between exchange traded funds and mutual funds and a compelling success story. Um, Ryan Kirk, uh, you can talk to us about the. Uh, the history of ETFs and mutual funds. Talk to us about uh, uh, about the, the 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 road leading up to where we are today. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it is a compelling success story. It's it's one of those success stories that it's it's just like anything else where it's it's success overnight. But really, what was built prior to that? I mean, ETFs were around for a long time before having the the quote unquote success that they have now, um, you know, since the early nineties, when the first one came about, it's been a, it's been a, a, a long trip, but it's been a, a trip in the right trajectory. Uh, if you're an ETF fan and there's absolutely an interesting story. And I've heard my colleague, Joseph, uh, say it before ETFs are the, are the most, I think this is how you put it, Joseph, the most revolutionary and successful investment uh, vehicle that we've seen this, in this industry in a long time. And I think it was born out of a need. And like I said, Joseph, uh, if there's anyone to give the, the details of that history, it's him. He's got a unique perspective of this because he's a guy that's been around the space really since before it even started uh, with with uh, when he had a team that was was integral in coming up with the forerunner to what became the first exchange traded fund. Um, 
So I know Joseph, there's a, there's a lot of, of the unique characteristics to the story. And there were some walls that you had to knock down, um, you know, when you were, when you were in this space uh, all those years ago. So maybe you want to touch on some of those details. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Um, I had to tell you in my long career, um, I've had this knack, uh, or incredible luck of being in the right place at the right time. And, uh, when we talk about ETFs and its history, uh, as Ryan said, it's, uh, it, it really has been a revolutionary investment vehicle, uh, within our industry. The other thing is, um, while it was originated and started in the United States, it's all over the world now, many exchanges and issuers around the world are creating exchange traded funds similar to the way it was done here as ryan said back back in the early 90s and my involvement in it in it started in the 80s when we came up i was lucky enough uh, to lead a team at the philadelphia stock exchange to introduce the forerunner to an exchange traded fund really don't know where the idea originated i didn't come up with the idea i can tell you that but um it came from you know my then boss nick giordano who said wouldn't it be great um to own a mutual fund that is traded on a stock exchange listed in trading in a stock exchange and it looks and feels like a stock that's where the idea was born we created a product called the cash index participation on the s p 500 and the Dell Jones Industrial um, listed it, and lo and behold, the futures exchanges came at the SEC, sued them for approving the product because it was more like a future than it was a security. Long, you know, it, it's a famous, it, it's a famous uh, case, the Easterbrook decision they called it. Um, basically, what happened there is Judge Easterbrook said, "Well." You know, cash index participation had the look and feel of a security, 90, 95%, 98%. It still has aspects of, of futurity, so therefore it can't trade on a securities exchange. Um, what's interesting about that is the many of the mutual fund companies filed amicus to that lawsuit, joining the futures exchange exchanges trying to stop the Securities and Exchange Commission from approving our product. So it had a lawsuit over its head. We wind up having to take the product down because Easterbrook ruled in favor of the futures exchanges. We went back to the drawing board, tried to figure it out. And then the Toronto Stock Exchange spent a lot of time with us in Philly. Back then, there was not a lot of competition between exchanges crossing borders. And they really came up with what is known today is the exchange traded fund. I want to give them credit. They spent a lot of time with us and they actually put the basket of stocks in place and they, they started the creation redemption process. Uh, we don't have to get in the weeds on that. We could talk a little more about it. And then of course the Amex, okay, which lays credit for creating the first exchange traded fund copied the Toronto stock exchange. And by the way, they copied our product too, the cash index participation right down to the typo. That's why we know that they, they copied our filing. Long story short, they listed the S&P 500, they called an ETF on the S&P 500 in conjunction with State Street, the bank State Street, who was the issuer and listed it on, partnered with the Amex, listed on their exchange. And Spiders, which is an ETF on the Standard & Poor 500 ETF, it wasn't 
immediately accepted in the industry for the first four or five years. And then all of a sudden, um, I, I, interestingly enough, I called on Vanguard in 1995 to partner with us so that we can um, uh, start listing ETFs with them um, in a very nice way. They sent me packing. And then I went to Fidelity, spent a couple of months with them. They sent me packing. So the mutual funds were not readily acceptable to it. When I went to work for Vanguard in 1998, one of the first projects, which is not what they hired me for, by the way, they hired me to run their brokerage division. But then their chief investment officer, who was a great guy, called me into his office, said, listen, we're going to get into the ETF business. Same guy that sent me packing three years, four years prior. And and Vanguard started working on it. And today they're one of the largest issues along with BlackRock. Um, uh, so every mutual, just about every mutual funding company opposed ETFs because they saw it as a threat to the mutual fund industry because it was a much more efficient vehicle in a number of ways. And we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into that in, in a little bit more detail in just a little bit. And and then they finally embraced the product because they saw the utility of it. And they were smart enough to know that you couldn't get in front of a moving train, that they had to get into this business. And and so, so Joseph, they're not fighting that anymore. They're not fighting the exchange traded fund anymore after all these years. So here it is, what, 30 years later, right? And just about every mutual fund company in the country is in the ETF business. And by the way, if you look at cash flows in mutual funds, a lot of mutual funds are having negative cash flows out. And we're a lot of money is moving into ETFs. So it's an estimated seven, eight trillion dollars in ETFs today. That is staggering when you think about it. When we started in the in the mid-80s, there are approximately a couple of billion dollars in index funds in total. Today, in index ETFs, you got seven, eight trillion dollars in assets. Vanguard's got two trillion plus. BlackRock, the leaders, got close to three trillion, then a bunch of the other organizations um uh you know make up the difference but it's 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 been a revolutionary product and they've had a lot of success for success for it and and it's helped them out with their mutual funds as well and we could talk about that a little bit later but that's a brief history um and in order for us to get to that point uh you know as an exchange and you know my life around ets as i said it wasn't readily accepted we had to knock walls down we had to convinced the Securities and Exchange Commission. And and really, when I, when I, I remember maybe three or four years after exchange-traded funds were introduced, I was sitting in, I was in my dentist office, right? Uh, and the dental hygienist was working on my cleaning. And she was all of a sudden started talking to me about sector ETFs and large cap ETFs and the S&P. I knew at that point they arrived that, you know, right. Because if you think about it, the seventies and eighties was the time of mutual funds, enormous success, great vehicle for the average investor to be in a pooled investment, right? The ETF is a better version of a mutual fund. I love it. So, um, so Ryan, maybe you could talk to us about um, new square capitals, you know, philosophy, why the ETF is so attractive? Why you uh, uh, put your your uh, your clients' assets there? Uh, give us the uh, give us the behind the scenes uh, thinking 
about ETFs versus mutual funds and, and why you why New Square Capital does what they do? Yeah, I think Joseph going through the history and makes a lot of sense leading up to that because as it's as he outlined, it's kind of a story of, of intrigue, deceit, theft, or as exciting as one can be in the <laughs> industry that we're a part of. And all of that comes to the forefront and why we utilize things like these in our asset allocation portfolios that we that we do for clients. Uh, I mean, if I were to tell you that we're looking to invest our clients' money in higher fee investments where they have to pay more taxes and there's a lot of disadvantages, you would think that I'm crazy. And that's one of the reasons that we do not use mutual funds in our portfolios. I mean, we have, we have based on all of these reasons, a lot of the ones that Joseph outlined and some other ones, there's a lot of benefits to utilizing uh, ETFs. And, and there's not only one way to build a portfolio. We understand that. And, and this is the way that we've chosen to build our asset allocation portfolios because it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense when you finally get down into the details. Um, a couple of those reasons, ETFs compared to their, um, their cousins' mutual funds, they're lower cost. So everything else being equal, we can find a lower cost investment that's going to try to deliver the same end product. We're going to go towards that lower cost investment because, again, everything else being equal, if we cut our cost, clients end up making more money in the long run. So lower cost is a, is a huge, huge component of this. Um, the performance aspect of this, most ETFs, or at least how they started, and, and again, the majority of them, they're index products. What does that mean? They try to achieve an index-like return. So the S&P 500 exchange-traded fund doesn't try to beat the S&P 500. It tries to mirror the S&P 500. It tries to give you the exact return of the S&P 500. And an investor out there might be listening to this and say, well, why would I want that? I want to try to beat the S&P 500. Well, what uh, there's great studies that come out of the industry. Standard & Poor's puts out a great study uh, every so often during the year. And it goes over exchange-traded funds and the indices they follow versus what the actively managed mutual funds deliver. And over time, over the long term, it's about anywhere between 75 to 85% of those mutual funds do not accomplish their performance goal in beating the index. So you can actually pay less for the exchange-traded fund and get better performance than the majority of what mutual funds have provided. So those two things in tandem, you look at that and say, wow, that makes a lot of sense to do that. There's also other benefits. These things trade throughout the day, much like everybody knows stocks trade you know, uh, for hours throughout the day. Mutual funds do not. They trade one time per day at the end of the day at their net asset value. Exchange-traded funds don't. There's constant liquidity throughout the day. You can make decisions on what to buy and sell throughout the day, much like you can a stock. You've got a lot of control over how a portfolio can react in those types of markets. So the, the liquidity aspect of it, the trading during the day, one, and, and I would say the last one, and Joseph, you could jump in here too. There is a huge component to this from a tax efficiency standpoint and something it's, it's sort of the secret story of all this, of the exchange traded fund versus the mutual fund. And this matters obviously a lot more for money that is in taxable accounts. So your joint accounts out there, your trust accounts, your individual accounts, not necessarily for your retirement accounts, your IRAs, your Roth IRAs. So we're speaking more directly to the, the taxable accounts. 
mutual funds uh, have the tendency to uh, deliver capital gains and, and clients pay taxes on those things. Exchange traded funds have a way of not getting rid of that, but for the most part, that does not occur in exchange traded funds. You go, okay, well, well, well what does all that mean? Um, it means that when you start to invest in these things year after year after year, and you can cut some of these, and we can go through an example of this in a minute, when you can cut some of these uh, negatives out from, from investing in mutual funds, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, several years down the line, clients can be better off by just simply switching the investment vehicle that they're a part of. And we see a, we see a lot of this in the, the, the research that we do. Clients come to us, we look at their statements. It's all over the place. It is prevalent everywhere when we see this and and the story remains the same and it's one that we love to tell because there's a real differentiation factor there joseph i don't know if you wanted to add anything yeah I, I, so so yeah i, I do right um uh, because I, I i i love what ryan said in terms of all the you know the multiple advantages of exchange traded funds people realize that investors realize that money managers invest that realize that institutions realize it and and they vote it with their feet okay so you could argue that mutual funds still have more assets than etfs but there'll be a crossover at some point because people now recognize and see those advantages but the secret part of the story or like that it's not as widely known is the tax efficiency because of a process that etf etfs use uh called the creation redemption process um in-kind baskets for the etf we won't get in the weeds there but that gives it really the tax advantage however mutual funds they have they can do the same thing but it, it's too complicated based on the platforms that they build, so they can't do it readily every day. The other thing I would say is we've seen enormous volume increases in on the exchanges in the stock market um, on a daily, you know, on on a, you know the average daily volume grow dramatically over the last 10, 15 years, eight, nine billion shares a day. When I came in this industry, okay, and I'm like to say to my listeners, both advisors and clients, and I am not an old man. I'm still a young, vibrant guy. Um, so I would tell you that 10 million shares a day was a lot of value. Look at it, 8 billion, 9 billion shares a day. ETFs are driving a lot of that value, okay, they, because, because of the process that they use. But uh, just a side story. The interesting thing is when I was at Vanguard and, and working on this ETF, their chief investment officer, and I'll be respectful and not mention his name, is outstanding uh, person and and a, and a great thinker. He immediately saw. So in 1995, when I called on, they just were not ready for it. Nobody was ready for it because it's a, it really is a creative destruction uh, vehicle. But the interesting thing is, is that he saw the tax advantage. And what they did is when they created their ETFs, they created as another share class, right? And they patented it. So the ETFs that Vanguard created were in tandem with their mutual funds, right? This, they had an S&P 500 mutual fund that say had $80 billion in it, right? So they created an, an S&P ETF right next to it, a total stock market, their sectors. Why did they do that? And why did they patent it? Because they sold the tax advantages. It allowed them to siphon low cost basis stocks 
from their mutual funds in their ETF and therefore wiped out all the low cost basis capital gains. Huge advantage. And not only made them an ETF issuer of success, but it also helped them in their mutual funds that had a lot of embedded capital gains if and when somebody sold them. So that's just kind of a side story. By the way, I don't know if they would, I don't know. The stories, well, I mean, it's out there in the ether, but they don't like to talk about it much. But you know what? It was genius. You talk about genius, that was genius in my view. Nice, nice. Well, really well said. And um, so, uh, Ryan, let's let's bounce it back to you. Um, let's let's talk about a compelling success story. Uh, that that's a that's a previous success story, right? That uh, that Joseph just told us. Uh, you have a recent example uh, of a success story. I think these things continue to be success stories, and and. 2022 was an interesting market because it's really the first genuine bear market that we've seen, a first down market that we've seen. Um, you know that lasted longer than a couple of uh, a couple of weeks and months, like maybe in one uh, in 2020 during uh, during COVID. This is the first you know genuine longer one that we've seen in a while, and with that comes different ways that investments react and. There was on the mutual fund side of things. So, so just giving you an example, right? An equity mutual fund that may have been down 12, 15, 20, 25% this year. There's an additional negative that could have happened. And I would ask all the listeners out there that if, if they are investing in mutual funds, do the exercise yourself. Go and look at these particular mutual funds that you own and see if they distributed what are called these capital gains. Because how it works is that in a year like 2022, where clients got scared and had to sell out of their mutual fund holdings, what happens is they go and hit the button and sell. The manager of that mutual fund, what do they need to do? They need to raise cash in order to give that cash to the end investor. They do that by selling positions for them to, to keep it as simple as we can. They do it by selling positions. And, and when that happens, capital gains are realized on the positions within that mutual fund. So the important part of this is that if investor A within that mutual fund sells, investor B doesn't sell, may be impacted by the by the attitudes and the uh, and the actions of investor A. So that generates these capital gains which are a negative at the end of the year and we look at examples Joseph and I were going through some of them that this can this can hurt the client's end return at the end of the year by several percent per year. So you start to do that math over time. And again, this is particularly on the, the taxable side of the equation. You start to do that math over time and it is it becomes very, very meaningful for the end client. And, and not only that, it's something that may, they may not even know about because it gets buried in their tax returns. At different times and that it just might it, it feels like it comes off off the top but it it may be unseen so when you actually peel back the onion on these things there's there's something very important that is happening and they are not insignificant distributions which are negatively impacting um the end investor so 
what would what would you do as a as a client to get another one percent, two percent, two and a half percent per year on your investment? I think we would all be very smart to try to achieve that. Mm-hmm. And that's again one of the main reasons that in our little corner of this world at New Square Capital, why we utilize something like an exchange traded fund uh, that can more or less get rid of some of those negatives that happen in this industry. Yeah, I, I think that the other the other thing I would add is again the application wrapper of an exchange traded fund. It's found itself, uh, it, it's it's found itself in many places. As I said, there are many countries around the world adapted the concept of exchange traded funds. So we also years years after the first ETF was was issued, we also use them in, for fixed income bonds. We have ETF bond portfolios. So we you know the innovation continues. Uh, it continues to to um, uh, to engage itself. So again, it's uh, the the utility of the exchange traded fund is really uh, uh, you know it, it as I said, it's been revolutionary and it continues to expand itself. Uh, by the way, that patent that Vanguard uh, that share class patent expires in May of twenty three. What does that mean? Other mutual funds can do the same thing now. Prior to that, they had to go to Vanguard to get a license. I don't think Vanguard issued many licenses to their competitors <laughs> to use it. So that when that patent expires, okay, other mutual funds could put share classes in place, which basically makes the industry far more efficient. And 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 I know that taxes are on the minds of lots of investors all the time. So why does New Square Capital use in our in our core portfolios? Why do we use ETFs as our asset allocation tool of choice? It's because of its it, a lot of reasons that Ryan all the reasons Ryan said it's 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 priced continuously. It trades on an exchange you, and it's got incredible huge tax advantages over a mutual fund. So that's why we use them in taxable, you know, you you know, obviously we use them both non-qualified accounts and qualified accounts, but in the, in the non-qualified accounts, you get the tax benefit. You derive the cat, a significant tax benefit. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, excellent information. Well, um, I, I think as we go to land this plane, you know, the, the, uh, I think you've explained uh, perfectly the, the difference between an ETF and a mutual fund. Joseph, final words on the subject. Yeah, I would close by by saying, um, uh, Ryan, uh, you know, early in the in this podcast talked about, you know, ETFs were created for a purpose with a purpose. And back in the day when we, you know, I was working on product development like this, when we filed the product with the Securities and Exchange uh, Commission, we had to state the economic benefits of an exchange traded fund. So it was said a couple of times in this podcast that in my view, it it is arguably the most revolutionary, groundbreaking um, uh, investment vehicle to come in the in the postmodern area. And and it continues to evolve each and every day. And actually I believe it's an industry un- unto itself. Uh, for my purposes, um, I've had the I, I've been blessed to to be in the right place at the right time, have the ability to work with very, very smart people um, as you know, as a team on uh, many, many exciting things. But I have to say that exchange traded funds, no one in the beginning could have ever predicted the enormous 
success that exchange-traded funds have had to date. Uh, used by individuals, institutions, money managers like ourselves. So the versatility of this product is basically proven itself over and over again. And uh, what could be better that, you know, I am part of a team at New Square Capital that uses these vehicles 30 years plus, 30 plus years later as a key tool for our asset allocation in our, our, our portfolios. Powerfully said, as usual, Joseph Rosello, uh, Ryan Kirk, uh, great, great information for uh, advisors uh, and in, of investors alike. Um, we uh, uh, thank you, gentlemen, for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for being here today and, and, uh, and giving us your wisdom on this. Thank you, MJ. Thank you, MJ. Great job. So to all of our uh, listeners, um, can we... Uh, uh, say thank you for listening. We appreciate it. We also appreciate you uh, giving us a five-star rating. Uh, if you like the podcast, uh, writing a review is uh, very helpful to us. We really appreciate you writing a review. Um, it may take you a little bit of figuring out. Uh, first time I did it, <laughs> I needed to call in a team to figure out how to write a review. But uh, once I consulted with my wife, she showed me how to do it. Uh, and um so the, uh, the other great news is that the podcast is also a great way for you to uh, help your friends, your family, people that you work with. Uh, most podcast services have three little uh, buttons that you can, uh, can, can click at the bottom or the top of the podcast, and you'll find the amazing uh, icon that says share. And uh, if you would share uh, the Wall Street Less Traveled uh, with uh, people that you know, if you're trying to educate them, I mean, look at the great information here, the differences between ETFs and mutual funds. What's an ETF? I know what a mutual fund is. Most people probably do. Um, this would be a great way to, uh, to clean that up and to uh, clear it up for them. So uh, we would ask you to share the podcast with the people that you know uh, and get, them, get the word out. So thank you to everybody for listening, and we will see you on the next episode of The Wall Street Less Traveled. That concludes this episode of the Wall Street Less Traveled podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Be sure to tune in regularly for new episodes and get connected to the ideas, information, and insights that will help you succeed. We'll see you on the next episode. The previous presentation by New Square Capital LLC was intended for general information purposes only. No portion of the presentation services serves as receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from New Square or any other investment professional of your choosing. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and it should not be assumed that future performance of any specific investment or investment strategy or any non-investment related or planning services, discussion, or content will be profitable, be suitable for your portfolio or individual situation, or prove successful. New Square is neither a law firm nor an accounting firm, and no portion of its services should be considered construed as legal or accounting advice. No portion of the video or podcast content should be construed by a client or prospective client as a guarantee that he or she will experience a certain level of results if New Square is engaged or continues to be engaged to provide investment advisory services. A copy of New Square's current written disclosure brochure discussing our advisory services and fees is available upon request or at newsquarecapital.com.